Thank you for clicking the play button. We'll try to not let you down. It's the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. That sounded so desperate. Please, thank you. Please thank be our you friend. Thank you for dating me. Please be our friend. Uh, we're Rochelle and Carter here. And by the way, this is through Hope On Demand. So maybe you you already have us or, or found it through your regular podcast places, but a lot more to find, a lot more encouragement and hope yes. at hopeondemand.com. How do you feel about babies? Well, I love babies. On a scale of one to cute. Ba- well, cute would be the 10, or I guess the scale yes. is cute. Okay. Yes. But I, I do have a frustration with babies. Tell me the frustration. If a baby comes in the room. Yes. When I'm in the middle of telling anybody about anything. All attention goes to that baby? I could be telling people about nuclear codes. Right. It, when we're both turning our key. But if somebody brings in a baby. It's over. It's over. That nobody's paying attention to anything anymore. That's good. That means not the wor- in this situation that I named. The world wouldn't be destroyed. No, if it was. <laughs> if you're doing this for a very good reason, turn the key. Turn your key. Okay. Okay. So I bring up babies because babies are adorable and they're cute. And when they're first starting out, what they get the milk. Uh-huh. And yeah. then you graduate them to rice. Yeah, that's right. They're cereal, the cereal with the milk. and stuff. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And then maybe some, you know, soft baby food. And then little by little. Yeah. We get them to eat brisket. A- amen and amen and amen. Not on that brisket. Yeah, that's right. So wouldn't it be frustrating if your beautiful little two-year-old boy who now he's eating solid foods. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, but what if he was like, I don't want that. I don't want that brisket you just put in front of me, daddy, even though those are very nice bite-sized bites for my teeth. <sighs> I want milk, just milk, Well, only milk. This does hit home because it's not so far back like you move forward to get to meat. It's, right. it's not like he's all the way back to milk, but he doesn't enjoy meat in general. It's a sore spot with me. Um, <laughs> but also a lot of kids in general, they'll just settle for the mac and cheese for a while. Something softer. Right. <laughs> something easy. Yeah. It, there is a comfort food. At, look, nobody's turning their nose up at good mac and cheese. We like mac and cheese. That's Come true. on. Uh, the point being though, you want your kids to graduate to those stages and to do it with flair <laughs> because there are opportunities there and they need... They need the protein that they're going to get from different kinds of foods that sure. they might not get from the other. Um, obviously, there is a time frame that milk is perfect for their little growing bodies. But then we graduate into other things that our body needs. And so Paul is making a very interesting point in First Corinthians. By the way, so many points in First Corinthians. And we just don't have enough time in this one podcast to cover them all. By the way, this podcast episode is seven hours long. You ready to go? <laughs> I'm just kidding. You can look at your phone. How many people looked at their phone right now? And we're like, it says 31 minutes. And how did he know that? He's a prophet? How did he know? (laughs) I was speaking into the future. No, uh, but I I was sharing this. And the last time we spoke, I wanted to talk about babies graduating into eating food. And that's basically where Paul is talking to his people in the church. He is not talking to people outside of the church. That's a good uh, distinguisher. The people in Corinth, uh-huh. I'm talking to the people who have said yes to Jesus. That's well, fantastic. I think we should stop right there for a second because that's what we do. I do a lot nowadays. I, I look at people in the news or, you know, even in person. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with people? Yeah. And now morals generally in America, it seems like, yeah, I get it. It hasn't been what it was. But we still can't ever hold an no. unbelieving world to a, a believing standard. And actually, Paul addresses that in the second chapter. He talks about when he first spoke to this group of people before they said yes to the Lord. He said, I I spoke to you 
And I didn't say anything that made me sound super smart and wise. Actually, I said things that probably countered your intelligence according to what the world preaches. Mm. I said things that probably didn't make sense. And you're going to find a lot of non-Christians will look at you sideways and say, yeah, well, you say sounds like a fairy tale or they'll tell you any number of reasons why they haven't said yes to the Lord, why they're not a Christian. But he said, I didn't try to prove anything by sounding wise. I simply let God's spirit show his power. I'm reading this from the CEV version, the contemporary English version. Uh, that way you would have faith because of God's power and not because of human wisdom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then he goes on to say, but see, here's the thing. Now that you are in, <laughs> now that you have accepted that God has saved you and you've agreed to this, and now that you have eternal life in God, you're getting stuck and not growing. So when I am speaking to you things that are in line with God's word and wisdom, it, it it's not setting well. You're not, in fact, let me read exactly what he wrote. I want to make sure I'm saying this exactly right. We do, we do use wisdom when speaking to people who are mature in their faith. Mm -hmm. We do. But it isn't the wisdom of the world or its rulers who will soon disappear. We speak of God's hidden and mysterious wisdom that God decided to use for our glory long before the world began. So there is a point where we start to grow in the Lord and we start to understand when people are using maybe even heady language devotionally. You're like, what does that even mean when you're a baby? I have no idea. Mm -hmm. I'm a brand new Christian. What is sanctification? That doesn't make sense to me. But the older I get in Christ, the desire is that we grow in Christ. Sure. Yeah. And so it, Paul is saying people who are guided by the spirit can make all kinds of judgments about certain things, but they, they cannot be judged by others, which basically to me means non-spiritual people do not have the capacity or understanding to make a proper judgment about the things that we're talking about. So we may look at something outside of a, a Christian standard and say, this is what God has deemed as sin. And I am judging that for my life as sin. Mm -hmm. But how in the world are we supposed to hold people to a standard that they have not said yes to? They're not aligned with that. A Muslim wouldn't come along to me and say, hey, Rochelle, you're not doing right according to the Quran because he said, no, because you're a Christian, you read the Bible. Yeah. Why yeah. would he set me to that standard? He wouldn't. I think with what, she. what we deal with in this country is that um, the argument of this country was uh, built on Christian principles, mm -hmm. which has some truth to it. Um, not all of them, you know, I just saw a video on this recently. Not all of the founding fathers were- um, Practicing? Totally practicing, but they all certainly had Christian ethics. Sure. I think a lot of people who test of, attest to being a Christian today, yeah, I'm a Christian. And then if you uh -huh. ask them, well, what does that mean to you? It may look like what some of the founding fathers would- well, Maybe very relative vague. or- <laughs> some vague. Yeah. And so- so I, you know, that's, and that's not even a thing I'm an expert on. So I, but I just want to say that that discussion nowadays of Christian America versus non-Christian America mm -hmm. and what you're, you're referencing, I, I think this sort, cause it's such a good point of, uh, you know, anybody else like a, a Muslim would not expect us to be following the Quran if we're saying we're not Muslim. Uh, but it is, there is that, that sticking point with a lot of Christians in this country yeah. because they feel that this is a Christian country. And I, I think um, I get it and I, I get frustrated about a lot, certainly, mm -hmm. but I, I have to look at 
the kingdom as a whole. Mm-hmm. And, and that is if America ended tomorrow, Christianity would not. Uh, Christ certainly would not. And mm-hmm. so it's just, it's beyond borders, you know, in, in so, yeah. so many ways. And I do think, and this is a great point of conversation, um, to be able to sit down and talk with somebody of a different faith. If I, if I have a friend of Muslim faith, uh, to be able to sit down and find similarities in our faiths, yes, that there are certain points that we will not contend on. We get, you know, thou shalt not. A lot of the the Ten Commandments listing we're going to say is, is these are things that are considered wrong mm-hmm. if we commit these crimes, mm-hmm. right? We might be able to to compare and say, yeah, we know this based on conscious decisions, uh, conscientious decisions, and I believe that's truly. That's that part of God that he instilled in us to seek him mm-hmm. and helps us deem in our conscience what is right versus wrong. Yeah. So, I mean, I will hold, there is an overall standard. It's like, well, you didn't tell me, I'm not a Christian, so it's okay if I kill people. That's not what I'm saying. No, and that's where, yeah, you go, like general revelation is, is you know, is a term that's used here and it's in Romans 1 where everybody, no, I'll say it this way, nobody has an excuse to um, at the end of their life go, well, I just had no evidence that there was a God. God instilled everybody that yes. there is a God, but they chose their own foolishness. Yes, And so there is, that's a good point. There is like that sense of morals that when you, when I say the, the thing, you know, what's wrong with people? It, it is, it does seem like there are things that everybody should know and abide by. You agree on that there is, yeah, that God gave us that, and we choose to fill in the God-shaped hole with other stuff. Sure, sure. Because we don't want to do the thing. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. That doesn't sound right. And then we somehow mask what he says is righteous and what is good and what is holy with, well, that's just naive or it's um, that's your truth or, or whatever we lay over what God has established as this is right. Mm-hmm. With, well, I don't want to abide by what your God says because it doesn't fit my need Mm. or fit what I want it to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And honestly, that's true for Christ followers too. Well, I don't really like that part of scripture. So I kind of skim over that. Yeah, that's true. Um, I want to eat 72 apple pies and I will. I'll be a glutton. Oh, (laughs) I don't want to talk about my past anymore. Gluttony is a whole nother subject, but it's not necessarily just food either. But anyway, the point being, speaking of food, when Paul is talking to his people, he is encouraging them. When you have the mindset of Christ, which is essentially what you have through his spirit, you know the mind of God and you are settling for small potatoes. Now he doesn't say small potatoes. That is my own little ad in there. And I want to skip forward to something that I really had a great time talking with my son about. He is 13 years old. And I thought, here I am reading this passage in 1 Corinthians regarding bread. And if you lifted this passage straight out of scripture, it honestly sounds like, oh, then I shouldn't eat bread. I shouldn't eat bread. Like the good kind that has yeast in it that rises and smells so good. And it draws you into the bakery section of all those buffets. Mm -hmm. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm talking? They ring the bell when it's ready. Oh my word, that bread. And they put butter on it. Wait, they ring the bell? Yeah. What is that, Golden Corral? Well... (laughs) Who I have kids bell? that want to go to Golden Corral. Yeah. yeah, that's a Golden Corral. Okay, I didn't know that. Right. So this is basically a passage from chapter five talking about how a little bit of bad yeast 
sets the tone for the whole batch of dough, right? And, and which is accurate statement, but he is using it and equating it to what's happening in this church. And he uses a very specific example. He's like, come on now. I have heard some terrible things. You are behaving worse than Gentiles is how he puts it. So clearly he's talking to some people in this church establishment that are kosher. They understand Jewish law and they are not necessarily applying what they know to be true in their faith to what they are currently doing. And he said, there is a one of you, there's one of you even sleeping with his stepmother right now, mm. which is hugely against Jewish customs and law and against what God says to do. Yeah. And so he's like, and you're letting him keep coming into the church. Now this sounds highly judgmental. Let's say a person comes into church. They are not aligned with Jesus. They don't know God or they are a brand new baby Christian and they're coming into the situation and they are in an adulterous situation. Mm -hmm. Are they supposed to be kicked out of the church? That is not what Paul is saying. This is a person who has been going to church. This is a person who is familiar with the customs and the law of God. This is someone who has supposedly been given the mindset of Christ and is ignoring what God is telling him to do. And Paul says, he, this guy's got my judgment. Get him out of the church. Yeah. Now. Which, which is is amazing because this is like one of those, um, there's a few examples, mainly from Paul on church discipline. And nowadays, that's a newsworthy thing, right? Mm. That can, can you imagine mm -hmm. somebody that got kicked out of the church for regardless of the reason, but yeah. and then they go to the news channel. Guess what? I got kicked out of church. Can you believe that? Church won't have me there. And, sure. And it's, sure. And it's and that's why we just kind of shy away from it because that's an awkward thing of like you wait you can't come to church, man. If you're a part of this body of Christ and you've claimed it, and then you're in unrepentant sin, yeah, then there there are consequences there because a little bad yeast can spoil the batch. Mm -hmm. And to Paul's point, he is saying, you make these allowances. Well, that's Jeff. I'm sorry if your name is Jeff and you're listening to this, but that's that guy over there. You know, we've yeah. known him for a long time. He's doing his thing. Maybe maybe one day it'll go away. He is saying, you make these allowances. Other people will follow suit. You will. This is how sin gets bred mm -hmm. into this, this situation. Yeah. And you do not allow it. Now he said, that does not mean that this man is not saved. Mm -hmm. Sure. It does not sure. mean that his soul has not been saved because he did say yes to Jesus, but he is not going to come along. He's not going to come along the benefit of being together as the body of Christ. He's not necessarily going to partake in the fruit of that circumstance of being together, banded together. And honestly, the, his wording here is, um, his body will be destroyed. His spirit will be saved when the Lord Jesus returns. But you got to hand this guy over to the devil because yeah. he's clearly still dancing with him. This is- uh, And he's got to work this out. We're here with open arms when yeah. you put your, your sin down and return. Now- What's hard is it, what what about the sin that's not so obvious, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't just mean an affair that nobody knows about. Oh, sure. I mean like, well, so-and-so's a little grumpy. Mm -hmm. Well, they're always grumpy. Come to think of it, they're kind of a jerk most of the time. Mm. Or so-and-so eats too much or so-and-so, you know, wh whatever. It's like when it kind of crosses over into personality and that's what kind of made me think of it when you said, well, that's just so-and-so. That's just who they are. And it's like, 
man, it gets real dicey yeah. real fast. And I think a great example is clearly um, sexual immorality is a, a category of sin that I think in any sexual morality that's uh, openly being disregarded just like this, it would be an easy like, okay, this is when we handle the situation just like Paul said. But when it comes into some of those other things that that are more personality-based, that's that's really hard. And it really depends on, the I think, the situation on how to handle it. And I don't have the wisdom yeah. for it. There is this incredible quote, and you may cringe right now because maybe you're not a fan of what they've done with the Lord of the Rings recently on Amazon Prime. They, they've they been kind of messing around with, what was the pre-story with Tolkien and Lord of the Rings? Okay. And so there's this moment though, and I found it quite profound, where they're trying to distinguish what is real and what is light and good and what isn't. Okay. And in making decisions. So this is how it goes. The little girl, she makes this little boat out of paper and it gets sunk by a rock and the boat sinks too. And we're talking about what, what makes a boat float and what makes a rock sink. And the explanation given to the little girl by her older brother is that the boat continues to look up at light because it chooses not to be taken down by the darkness below, whereas the rock sinks because it gets overwhelmed by the darkness below. Her question being sometimes the light reflects on that water. How does the ship know the difference between the two? And the advice from the older brother is sometimes one has to touch the darkness in order to know the difference. Now, whatever that may look like for you, I think we know in those moments where it is hard to distinguish, Lord, what is your will here? What is what, am, what is my purpose? I think in those moments when we when we touch that thing, that situation, we do have the mindset of Christ given to us by his Holy Spirit to know and distinguish the difference between what is going to keep us light focused mm-hmm. or sink down into the depths. Yeah. That's really good. That goes back to what we were talking about last week. If you didn't get a chance to last week's episode, Mm -hmm. because some of it's just black and white, you know, you don't need to pray about it to know if you should murder somebody or not. Yeah. Uh, But then a lot of it is this, you know, what, what should I do here? It kind of looks, I don't don't really know. And it could be good. It could be bad. Like a relationship for that matter. You know, this person is, I know, you know, they seem to be coming along and, and it's like, God, should I be with this person? It's hard. It is, it is hard and further serving your, your walk with the Lord when you read the context of scripture, you're like, well, does this mean now that I need to go through, if you're a pastor, do I have to go through all of these cases of the people sitting in the pews and then know to kick them out? I don't think that's what Paul's saying at all. Yeah. This guy overtly is doing this thing. Right. Yeah. Everybody knows about it. It got back to Paul for yeah. crying out loud. I, I Take think, care of it. I think know? the ones that I've seen that I would, I would you know, I was a kid, but uh, how I would- handle it maybe in this way if I had any sense of authority or at least would go to the the, the people in charge. Some of the people that um, have caused church splits mm-hmm. or um, a group of people that just really didn't like the youth. It was my youth minister, actually. I've never been a char- part of a church split like, like the one I'm referencing, but uh, this happened at my church where a bunch of the people just didn't really care for the um, youth minister, mm-hmm. uh, mainly just because it was like just different interests. Like he wasn't into camping and some of their kids were into camping, <laughs> right? 
Wait, what? And so, so some of them, a lot of them put pressure on the pastor to get rid of the youth minister. We wanted a camping youth pastor. Yeah, yeah. And you brought yeah. us a guy who likes fairs. And how, how dare you? And Bowling. That's the kind of thing that, you know, I, you could see a conversation of stop this because uh, that's ridiculous to cause church division over something so silly. Mm. Uh, but, but if they don't stop, it may be a you're not welcome here until you knock that off conversation. Mm. And I don't know all the ins and outs of it. Yeah, but, that's why the scripture tells us there's wisdom and counsel. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, <laughs> I'm going to reference now another movie. <laughs> this one, uh, less profound, World War Z. Oh, great. You went from Tolkien, one of the <laughs> greatest writers of all time, to, to World, World War, War Z. But I do love this line from it. The Tenth Man. I, it brought this picture of the Tenth Man into play. And uh, there's a situation where this gentleman living in Israel, in Jerusalem, he somehow has fortified the city before anybody else on the planet knew that zombies were going to be a thing. He's got this city walled and protected. And Brad Pitt's character is like, well, how did you know to build this wall? And the guy says, you know what? We as Jewish people thought it would be impossible for, and he starts listing all of the atrocities that have been committed against the Jewish people, mm -hmm. even in the past couple of centuries, right? Including the Holocaust, including what happened during the Olympics, including like all of this stuff that has gone down. And everybody said, oh, that will never happen. That will never happen. And so he said, we decided to have a council. There would be 10 of us on this council. And even if Every single person on the council said, that's a ridiculous thing. I would never even contemplate that thing. There would always be one person left on the council that would be the 10th man who would say, no matter how ridiculous, I am going to go and pursue the opposite of what we all collectively believe. I'm going to take this preposterous thing and I'm going to act on it. Why? So that we will always have like a safeguard in place. Okay. okay. And so he was, quote, the 10th man on this council, when they get the memo that a zombie virus might be a thing, everybody else said, preposterous, except he was the 10th man. And so he went around. And now in this film, he's looked at as a, a prophetic almost because he built this wall around this town to, to mm -hmm. fortify it. So I guess the point is, is that always having the council of people around you, maybe nine of them doing the thing that you know is like-minded with you. But a 10th person always in place that you know to be wise, maybe even a little edgy, mm -hmm. so that you can have something on the outside of your own bubble to help you grow in thought. I think it's really important to have people around us with different perspectives. And obviously when it comes to non-Christians, you want to be very careful of the influence of that. But uh, when it comes to just different denominations, yeah. different outlooks, different um, different uh, maturity level in, in terms of age, or, you know, that's it's, it's really good. Of, it can of grow your faith too. Diversifying, exactly, of getting me out of my, you know, if you only go to one denomination your whole life, you're only going to think like that. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that that denomination does everything wrong, but they certainly, no one does everything right. Yeah. So it's nice to just kind of get outside your comfort zone a little bit. What Paul was doing when he was using the example of yeast was not only about, hey, when you put a little yeast in a batch of dough, it's going to make the whole thing rise. Even Jesus spoke to beware of the, Pharise the yeast of the Pharisees because a little bit of what they're sharing is going to, you know, it's going to influence the group of people. And this is not the way I'm trying to teach. Mm -hmm. 
And so Paul kind of reuses that example, but it's interesting because there is this tradition and what Paul's coming up against is, is this Gentile um, influence. And the Gentiles, look, they grew up the way they grew up. If you're not growing up with Jewish customs and there's multiple gods and goddesses, they're going to have to, when they say yes to Jesus, that's all right. Now I'm, I'm putting all that away. Mm-hmm. The customs, there was a, a lot of temple prostitution. There's a lot of stuff involved there. We're putting that away. But Paul uses the example of yeast. Where do we see bread in scripture that has no yeast? The Passover meal? Exactly. So God knew he's getting his people out of Egypt in a hurry. He commands them for this meal, make bread without yeast because it it won't take time to rise and you just make it like this and you'll be good. So the tradition is passed on for all these generations to keep doing this during Passover and the tradition of throwing out all of the flour with yeast in it as well with that tradition. And I just found that fascinating. So now we have context. He's not saying don't eat flour that has yeast in it ever again. Cause if you read it verbatim, it sure sounds like he did. Mm-hmm. So don't celebrate the festival by being evil, sinful, which is like serving bread made with yeast. Be pure and truthful and celebrate by using bread made without yeast. If you read just that last line, celebrate by using bread made without yeast. That might lead you to a place of, I can never eat. When the bell rings, I can't go get that bread mm. from that buffet. Yeah. I can't put butter on that anymore. Oof. I have to always go pita, which there's nothing wrong with pita. Yeah. Sometimes you want some yeast, you know what I'm saying? That's true. But God was using, Paul was using this example of symbolism and he's connecting it again to Jewish versus Gentile traditions. So when you start to get all that context and history working together, you start to kind of unpack, oh, the literal versus the, what's the other word when I'm searching for? Figurative. Thank you. Figurative. And so my 13-year-old son, I said, as you are reading passages like this, my encouragement to you is to not sit there and feel like you have to pull out a history book and figure all this out. You can grab mom's Bible that's got some context columns in it so that helps you if you like, but also to know that there is history that, look, this was thousands of years ago. There's history that we don't understand as U.S. Americans a hundred years ago was taking place because we weren't living in that generation. So give yourself a break if it becomes overwhelming and you start to read through passages that don't seem to make sense. Every time you read that passage over the years, next year, if you read that same passage, you may get something a little different out of it. Mm-hmm. His, his word is alive and it wants to become real to you. He wants to continue to give you his mindset. So you know God's mind. Mm. It was powerful. Yeah. No, that's great. That's great. Um, all right, so I had a couple of, I, I've just like set, you know, church notes. And I'm Do you just pull said, your phone out in church and think people might be judging you because they're like, oh, that guy's texting. Do you ever feel that way? Because of the Bible app, I have stopped thinking that Good. ever. You know? <laughs> right. I'm like, we live in, 10 years ago, it's like, yeah, not everybody's really using the Bible app or notes on their phone. But, but if you're passing the, the plate around and you see somebody playing Galaga on their phone, then. The, well. Yeah, then that's... I think you should get kicked out. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. All right, so there's a couple of just one-liners that I think were just like really good. Okay. And I don't even think... some A couple of them, I don't even think we need to really expound on. We can, but um, somebody said... This is my Sunday school teacher said, 
often when it comes to the way I view life and, you know, you're talking about having the mind of God and often I can have that, that mindset, the, the quote flesh mindset of mm-hmm. what's in it for me. Um, he said, a lot of times what we'll do is I will write down my terms and conditions list and then I hold it up to God and ask him to sign on the dotted line. You know, mm-hmm. can my life go this way, this way, this way, and this yeah. way, and this way when it should be the other way around. Yeah, right. The terms and conditions list and we, and we sign it. Yeah. Um, this is what my uh, pastor talked about with, uh, with just living a Christian life. You know, you mentioned sanctification. Mm. I love the forgiveness the cross gives. That's the easy part, right? Mm-hmm. But I struggle with the way of life the cross demands. Okay. I thought that was really, really solid. And then this one, um, this was fascinating. This was uh, my last thing was just a little Sunday school lesson about, you know, many times in the Old Testament, you hear about them um, worshiping idols and like a golden calf, you know, and we always look at that and go, that's stupid. (laughs) 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 This was really dumb. And what we talk about with idols, which I think is still true to some degree, but what we talk about is, well, what do you love more than you love God? Is it money? Is it football? Is it barbecue? And then I feel attacked. Um, <laughs> but the the point that the guy teaching Sunday school this particular Con- convicted week, or attacked? Uh, it depends on who says it <laughs> and what examples are being named. Um, and so, I, I mean, I think that's true. Like you could love something more than God, but he he gave an example with football. Okay, he said. Me loving football so much is really not the point of the lesson that we learned from the Israelites building a golden calf to worship. Because I do love it, maybe football. Maybe I should take a back seat, you know, mm-hmm. but that, get, that, that this always just gets a blurry line because it's not, it's not an apples to apples conversation. I never heard it put this way. Um, the point that the Israelites were doing was they were in they were in serious need. They were in the desert, right? They had a problem. Mm-hmm. And instead of going to God with that problem, mm-hmm. that's what idols were. He, he coined it this way. Idols in what we read about were solutions to problems that people didn't have solutions to. Okay. So really the better question is, what is my solution when I have problems? Mm-hmm. That's more of the the same conversation. So I don't have a job and I start freaking out in panic mode. Do I trust God mm-hmm. or do I do something? Well, it's a job, dude, that's morally reprehensible. You say you're going to go work security for a strip club. Well, it's my only option. You get in these type of situations where I got, and I, and we do this in many ways. It doesn't have to be that extreme. I start trusting myself mm-hmm. and my ability, or I start trusting even other people over what yeah. God has told me flat out in scripture or is telling me spiritually. Yeah. Have you ever said, um, God is with you to somebody? Mm-hmm. Um, it just, but the emphasis being on, he is with you, but are you with him? Mm-hmm. And that means yeah. <laughs> you can be picking up Ezra, your two-year-old son. We're going to go back to Ezra. And he could be trying to get away with it. With, and I know he wouldn't get away with this. But of course he, he won't. If he was <laughs> throwing a tantrum and he's trying to get away from me, he's flailing his arms and his legs. Uh-huh. He's not with you. 
Yeah, yeah, that yeah, that's true. That's true. He's he's doing his own he wants to solution. Do his own now yes. you're still there as his parent, and uh-huh. you're still holding him, right? And you still love him, yeah. But isn't it so much more uh, intimate, relationship wise, when your son is holding you back? I mean that that's where God wants us to be as yeah, his kids. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. So I, it is interesting the whole idol thing, even the wording in that particular passage, kind of along with what pastor was sharing at your church, the idol that was created when Moses goes up Sinai and he's getting the 10 commandments, that's when all this takes place. And he's been up there for days. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, Hey, I'll be right back. (laughs) And then you come back. What did you guys do? Yeah. Yeah. What was it? You had a vacation up there? It's they clearly gave up on him. They thought he died. Maybe. I mean, they're seeing all that storm action up there on the, the hill. For crying out loud, mm-hmm. he's dead for all they know. And so they're going to his brother, Aaron, make us this calf. And when they are talking about the calf, they are literally giving this golden cow the credit for what God did. Mm-hmm. And it's not because, I don't think it's, because usually I think of it, oh, now we're going to worship this. Mm-hmm. So that is God over there. All right, I'm going to leave him over there on that shelf, but now I'm going to worship this. No, it was like, now we're going to point to something that we can see, mm-hmm. almost like. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think that's how it is actually interpreted. They were basically saying, this is the God yeah. Yeah. who saved us out of the Red Sea. This is the yeah. God. And I think that's interesting. We make, uh, we project what we want God to be, you know, on onto yeah. the, whatever it is that is the idol in our life. Like, well, this is, even my perception, um, which um, can be misconceptions about who God is, can be an idol. Mm-hmm. You know, I I want, I really think God would be fine with me if I did this thing. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Well, wait a second. Are you going to the source of what he actually says or are you going to what feels good? Sure. <laughs> you know sure. what I mean? I, I just think that I never heard it put like that and it makes it more real because, again, I, I don't think the other one's completely untrue. Well, what do you love? What are you putting above God? Mm-hmm. Is it your love of money? Is it football? What, what is it, all of your focus though? What is your hobby? That is so, you love too much. Mm-hmm. What do you love too much? And then we all go, yeah, it's probably this. And then it just, it goes nowhere. It's just yeah. this general thing. Yeah, thanks for the guilt trip. I, you're right. I should wa- watch football less. I don't know. Like <laughs> you don't really know what action to take. And I I just love the tangibleness of, no, what am I trusting in yeah, yeah. when life gets hard? And is it me? Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, that can even be hard. You know, when it comes to, for example, getting a job. I mean, listen, if you do hear God tell you, I want you to sit still and do nothing and I'm going to have somebody come see you. If you really hear from God that that's it, then then do it, then absolutely. But in most situations, you you should update your resume. Yeah. You should send your resume out to people. And so for me, it always gets this blurry line of what action do I need to take mm-hmm. compared to what do I need to wait on God in? And that's why I think it's it's so easy with, well, I definitely shouldn't accept the job that that makes my morals compromised. And, and that would be yeah. trusting in something because yeah. I'm not trusting God. That may, that's, an, that's the easiest example I can think of when it comes to the job situation. And trying to unpack that passage of scripture where it says, you need only be still, the Lord will fight for you. We're mm-hmm. talking about battle. We're talking about war. This was a historical pl- uh, narrative uh, about you know the Israelites and God 
was like, I'm going to show that you literally have really nothing to do with your victories here. I, I always want you to be mm-hmm. coming to me with this praise. Right, right. And so be still and know that I am God. But that didn't mean that they l- were still. I mean, they, yeah. went, they they still went about their daily business. They you raised know what I mean? families for crying out loud. Yeah, I mean, it, it is it is hard to do the daily tasks. Yeah. And I think there are some times where when we, again, it's like when you read that bread, passage you lift it literally from the page of scripture and you don't ask okay god i've read this so this must be what you meant by this ask the holy spirit's mind on it yeah because there's a reason and a purpose for the the things that he tasked people to do or did not task them to do and it may be more than just all right don't do anything right now because i'm going to do everything no they still had to in jehoshaphat's case march into battle but put praise and worship band leaders at the front of it Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm Yeah, You know, Gideon still had to, even though God was going to fight the battle, Mm -hmm. still had to bring the very few people that he did into the battlefield and God did the rest. You know, there was confusion there and, yeah, but there was still a moving, you know, God, Jesus telling the man, all right, rise up and walk. How would he know that he could walk until he rose up? There's an action that's required there too. So, yeah. I, but at the same time, I understand like to be still, to not try to make things happen. I think is probably the emphasis in sure. your own strength, in your own power. But I also don't want to get lackadaisical. No, and and that's so true because I and, and and I don't know. I would think most people would at the at you know at the final moments of whatever problem would take matters into their own hands. I think mm. most people would start doing it on their own. I know I would. And, and what in, in a, the job situation to me is just the most, just the best example. Cause you lose a job, you need a job, this payment's coming up. Okay. You see the countdown going, what am I going to do? God. And I, and I, that's where you, I think you have to trust you you put your trust in well what does he say yeah. and he said that he values us more he loves the sparrows but he values us much more than that the lilies of the field the the don't ever worry about your needs you know and that's where i think you see some of those crazy stories mm. happen mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. we don't know what we we're going to do and the doorbell rings and somebody had showed up with dinner groceries yeah or 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 somebody called about a random job sure. i think that's what we got to where we do have to be still um, but obviously when it comes to the day-to-day stuff, yes, action shall, still still needs to be taken, oh, right? Oh, yeah, and perhaps it was more about mindset in yeah. in later yeah. passages. I think it's in Psalms that it's repeater or it's Proverbs and be still and know that I am God. And I, I think because our mind gets overactive, like you said, you would like take things into your own hands. But uh, I, I was really encouraged. We talked with a mom the other day who is really anticipating a career in nursing and she's excited about, about doing that. And she also knows that she can't necessarily do a full-time job as, as well as being a mom of three children and going to school full-time. But that doesn't mean that she is saying, well, you know, God is going to just provide it. No, she's still going out and doing like a, a, I think she does grocery delivery or something. Oh yeah. Yeah. So finding little things like that. I was, I was encouraged by her story because there's to, to kind of harp on Moses for one more moment. When Moses felt depleted and there was nothing more for him to do, and God said, and this is before he even goes into Egypt and rescues the people, 
And God says, I want you to be the one, I want you to be my voice, my instrument to get in there and free my people. And Moses is like, this is, no, this is the wrong person you were talking to. I have, there's bad blood between me and Pharaoh. There was a murder situation after I left Egypt and I scurried over here in the desert right now. I'm, I got a good setup being a shepherd. I'm not your guy. He was destitute mm-hmm. in terms of ability and talents. Uh, but that number one gives all the credit where it's due to God, doesn't it? But God looks at what he has in his hand and he starts with that. What do you have in your hand? And it was a stick. And that stick gets repeated about and talked about over and over and over again when it comes to the story of Moses, that staff that was wielded to do God's work. So there may be something in your hand right now you're not even thinking about Mm. that God wants to use for his glory, for his purposes, but it does require, what do you have in your hand, Moses? It's a stick. Put it down on the ground. What is that? That's action. Mm. Yeah. What is, now pick it up. What is that? That's more action. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, well, it's a fascinating conversation. It is. And we love these. And that's why we do this every week. Uh, the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. We so appreciate you and your, and your time. Love you. And more at HopeOnDemand.com. 